Hello, Tony G Nation. Another couple episodes of the Tony G Show set to get released this week. This is episode number 21 of season 6, and we are winding down. Mm-hmm. Will McCormick, I'm Tony G. In the pre-show, you know, before we got going, Will and I started planning and discussing things for season 7 already. Things are moving. Things are moving. We're getting locations down. We're getting times down. We're getting scheduling in. We're getting a direction for the show and the podcast. We're going to have new cover art, new music. Might even YouTube it. I mean, we'll see how this mm-hmm. all goes in the next couple months. Season 7 of the Tony G Show. Set to release in September of 2021. Don't forget that Summer Ball is going to be in between Season 6 and Season 7. Starting the first week in June. That's just going to be a once a week podcast with your boy, Tony G. Only four episodes after today, Will. We got this episode. We got two next week. We got two the week after. No. One, we got one, one today, month. Yeah, yeah. one Thursday, two next week, one in May, and then we're done. It's crazy. And here's a couple things that we're planning before we get into this episode. We have, you know, the draft is on the 29th, mm-hmm. which is a Thursday. And that is going to be an episode of the Tony G Show. We're thinking of fitting Jason Fonder in on that day. We don't have that confirmed yet, so stay tuned for that. But then that Tuesday before, we're going to have our NFL draft expert, Matthew Swanson, on. And I mean, that may be the whole show. Oh, I, I haven't decided yet. I haven't talked to him a whole lot yet, but... His segment will be an hour at least. I mean, he... He'll talk for an hour. We're going to have maybe like his mock draft. And I mean, he's just such a good draft mind. I mean, he's brain. actually like really professional with it. He's yeah, he actually is. very good at what he does. With he does, uh, in his free time, he does uh, scouting reports on players. I sit next to him in class. And it's one of those classes where, you know, you can tune out a little bit. And I peek at his computer. And he's looking up draft stuff. I mean, he's looking up a guy who can go. You know, you know he does that, right? You know, he does like legit scouting reports for players. Like he goes through and like gives like high schooler or not high schoolers, college players, like full on scouting reports. I mean, that's how in depth he is. Like he's actually like the real deal, and he continues to earn his time on the Tony G show. I mean, every time we bring him on, it's always good insight. So that'll be Tuesday, April twenty seventh, the Tony G show, and then the season finale is going to be May fourth. May the 4th be with you. Only one show in May, and that's going to be episode number 25, the season finale of season 6. Are you ready to get into this episode, Will? Oh, I am. I'm always ready. All these episodes we're previewing, all these episodes we've done, and this episode is going to be released Tuesdays, Thursdays, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Follow Will on Twitter at Willis5312. Follow me on Twitter at Tony G Show. Let's preview this episode. I have a very good episode planned. I've done a lot of preparation for this episode. I've... I think I made the doc for this one on like Friday. So like I've been planning this all weekend. We got been a good ready. episode. We're going to start with talking about the Bucks, a little Bucks discussion. They lost last night, but we're going to talk about their season to this point and moving into the home stretch into into the playoffs for the NBA. Then the second segment, we're going to be making the case for Jay Bruce being a Hall of Famer, the Major League Baseball outfielder who retired after numerous seasons on numerous teams in Major League Baseball. And the crime that has happened in his career. We'll talk about that later on in the show. And then you remember on Thursday's episode, Will, last Thursday, it was called the trickle-down effect or mm-hmm. something like that. And we had a discussion about Aaron Donald yep. and the assault charges. Well, we're going to revisit that because there have been new developments over the weekend. And so we're going to recap that and just kind of put the final nail in the coffin on that discussion. The news came out classic, Tony G style, right <laughs> after the show. I mean... <laughs> If I had a dollar for every time that happened this season alone, like you'd have like three dollars. 
I think it's more than that. I think I'm at like six, seven. Yeah. That's I mean, still that's a lot. happened on a lot of occasions. Anyways, so we'll revisit that and put the final, as I said, touches on that discussion before we move on with other shows in the Tony G show. That's how this episode's going to go. It's going to be a good episode. Right, Will? Yes, sir. Okay. Season six, episode number 21 of the Tony G show. Segment number one of the Tony G Show, I want to pose this question to start. What differentiates this season for the Milwaukee Bucks compared to past seasons of unfulfillment? Because they've always been good, and by always I mean the last couple seasons, they've always been good, competitive, since Giannis has really gotten his foot underneath him, since Chris Middleton's really developed, since the Bucks went with Chris Middleton over Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, in the last couple years, the Bucks have been a really competitive basketball team. So what differentiates this season from past seasons to this point, and moving into the playoffs, how successful will they be? Before we get into this conversation, this is a fan-requested topic. Hmm. I was talking with a friend over the weekend, shout out to my friend Aaron. He said, Tony, can we get some Bucks discussion on the Tony G Show? I said, can we, are, are they going to be good this year? He, he, he brought up the argument that is in Bucks Twitter, I think it is, or maybe he read an arg- article about this, but he asked, is this going to be the same Bucks type of outcome where they fall short in the playoffs? Were they really good? Where they play good basketball, but they fall short? So, Aaron, thank you for the fan-requested topic. We're going to discuss that here. Let's start this discussion with the Bucks with their game last night. Lost to the Phoenix Suns, who are a very good basketball team this year. Chris Paul, uh, Devin Booker, a lot of guys on that team that are very talented. And that game... Bucks lost 128 to 127 in overtime. Bogus call. Mm-hmm. Bogus call. That go, that game should have went into double overtime. Bogus call. And there was a free throw as time expired. Sank it. Suns get the one point win. Bogus call. Terrible call. Shouldn't that, that there's no way a game should end that way. Whatever. It happened. The Bucks are now 35 and 22. And let me go here with this discussion because the Bucks, I, I'm convinced, and this is going to sound a little fanboyish. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced, and I honestly feel this way, if you take away all the bias, but like I said, it's going to sound biased regardless. Right. That the Bucks last season, if coronavirus didn't hit, I thought they were primed to oh, win were the NBA Finals. I yeah. mean, they were on fire last mm-hmm. year, and it was different than the year before, the 2018-2019 season, because it was just more fluent. They were playing yep. very good. Substitutions were on the mark. They were good in transition, and then coronavirus hit. They came back, and of course... Jimmy Butler was on fire, knocked him out in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, and then, of course, the Lakers, who were destined with the Kobe stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is what it is. The Bucs did not win the NBA Finals last year. But 35-22 and 22 this year, that's 57 games. Through 57 games last season, the Bucs were 49-8. and eight. Bit of a difference there. Mm-hmm. Big, big difference there. Some numbers that I want to bring up. You know Tony G does his homework. Average turnovers per game. Last season, 15.1. This season, 14.1. Average points per game. Last season, 118.7. This season, 119.1, which is first in the NBA, and which is 
to, to this point setting a record for most points per game in a season for the Milwaukee Bucks. So they're not turning the ball over as much. They're scoring more points. So what's the problem? Where's What's the difference here? Here's where I'm going to go with this discussion. It's not so much a Bucks thing as it is they're just getting outplayed in certain games. How many times has a team come into Milwaukee and shot lights out? How many times has the Bucks gone, have the Bucks gone on the road and just haven't showed up, just haven't had that one player have a good game, this or that, hasn't fallen their way? I mean, the call last night, for goodness sake, right. robbed them out of double overtime. Although they didn't score the first points in overtime through like the first four minutes. They didn't score until like under two minutes left in overtime. But regardless, breaks just aren't going the way of the Milwaukee Bucks. And this isn't an excuse argument. This isn't something where I'm dismissing the play of Milwaukee to this point. It's just that, you know, there's, there's some things in their play that don't add up to winning basketball like it has last in the last couple of seasons, especially last season. They're slightly getting out-rebounded compared to recent years. They're slightly getting less blocks, less steals. It's just not as clean, not as fluent, not as aggressive basketball in Milwaukee. Could you contribute that to the fact that they have so many new players filling in these roles where like, maybe and they're absolutely. not playing the cleanest basketball as compared to years prior when they have the same team, they know what they're doing, and they're very dominant because they know how everyone plays, and right now they're still kind of figuring it out, everyone out. When the Bucks acquired Drew Holiday heading into this season, the thought kind of was, well, now the Bucks have their version of a big three. Mm-hmm. You know, the Nets have Durant, Irving, now Harden. Well, the Bucks have Giannis Middleton, who was really playing well into overtime right. last night. And, it, and like I've mentioned before, I've gone on record saying this, I thought the Bucks did the right thing going with Middleton over Brogdon. Oh, well, they all put up good numbers against the Suns. But... Last night, yeah, it was a pretty high-scoring game. Anyways, the point being with the big three, Giannis, Middleton, and then Drew Holiday to kind of seal that deal. And how many games did it take for Drew Holiday to get his footing underneath him in Milwaukee? Right. Yeah, I absolutely think that the amount of circulation with the players is certainly playing a factor. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's hard to compare even last season to this one because of the time difference. The amount between, of differences, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. and, and in my opinion, too, I, I would rather have a team kind of be, not average, but like playing okay basketball and then turn it on late season. Yeah, when you instead need of, to. Right, instead of like having an incredibly good season and then a really disappointing playoffs. And I think they're setting themselves up to have a good playoffs. Exactly. That's I was just going to make that point. This could be the direction that the Bucks are heading. I mean, kind of 35-22. Mm-hmm. They're doing good. I mean, third yeah. place in the Eastern Conference. I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm downplaying it a little bit because of how they've done in past seasons. But as we go down the stretch here, it'll be interesting to see how they play. The other thing I wanted to mention here is the first couple seasons that Brooke Lopez was in Milwaukee, I mean, he was playing very good basketball, that nobody saw Brooke Lopez coming in here, shooting like he did, playing like he did, defending like he did. And that's just a hard pace to keep. It's kind of like the Christian Yelich thing with the Brewers. Yep. I mean, spent the first couple years here and was an MV, won the MVP and mm-hmm. finished second in the MVP and then had the 2020 season. And everyone's like, why isn't he MVP again? It's a, That's a hard pace to keep. And I it think is. that's kind of similar with the Brooke Lopez thing we're seeing here. He's still playing good. He's still doing all right. But it's not like the Brooke Lopez that we've been seeing. Also, he's getting young. He's not getting any younger. Right. So there is that aspect that Brooke Lopez is, I mean, just kind of trending downward. It's not like he's playing bad basketball. He's just headed in that direction. Other things I want to mention that could play a factor 
not on court. Remember there was that Dante DiVincenzo thing where they tried to mm-hmm. trade him and then that fell through and he there was reports that he was kind of salty about that, was kind of uh, sour about potentially being traded out of Milwaukee. I don't know how much of a factor that played. I just want to mention it as that could be kind of in the back of the minds of the Milwaukee Bucks front office as well as Dante DiVincenzo. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what it is, regardless of what you think it is, I think that theme continues. The Christian Yelich thing, the Christian Yelich effect, I'm going to call it, for Brooke Lopez, that for the Milwaukee Bucks as a team are in the Christian Yelich effect. 49-8 and eight through 57 games last season. I mean, it's hard and to... at the pace they were the year before, right. it's hard to continue winning at that rate. Yeah, you can't expect to be that good multiple seasons in a row. That's almost like, that is unrealistic expectations for a team. Well, right, and especially when you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, and you're wondering why the Bucks aren't, you know, running away with it. Well, how about the 76ers, the year that they're having? 39-18, and 18, Tony G's pick for MVP is Joel Embiid to this point. Ooh. <laughs> Babu pick. from Will McCormick, but I, I think it's a very logical pick for most valuable player this season. Not to mention the Nets, what they've done to revamp that organization, are second in the Eastern Conference, 38-19, and then the Bucks sit there in third place. Not to mention the Hawks are bouncing back from subpar play for the last couple of seasons at right. fourth place. So, I mean, it's a very competitive Eastern Conference. Not to mention other teams in the Western Conference are starting to pick it up. The team they played last night, the Phoenix Suns really starting to find their way in the NBA. So it's it's just getting tougher and tougher. And as we look towards the playoffs, let's navigate this, this discussion there now. As we look towards the playoffs, will this occurrence persist into the playoffs where they don't finish in games, where they don't finish in series, where they don't advance? They can get deep, but they never finish the job, get to the finals. Will this problem persist? And I kind of have a mixed answer to this. I kind of have a mixed response. I think yes and no. I think it, it will, but it won't. I think there's a chance that they will. I mean, that's a very... It's a very middle road. Yeah, that's a very argument. vanilla response. It's a very <laughs> vanilla take on my part, and I understand that. But the thing with the Milwaukee Bucks is, like I said, the, the competition's getting worse. I guess I'm just kind of sugarcoating that I don't think they're going to get to the finals again this year. I, I bet you... This season might be their kind of figure it out season. I have more confidence. Not more confidence. I want to see what next year Bucks look like. Sure, but how many years are we going to say that though? I, I'm and I'm see not. I'm I mean? not. No, I'm not discounting them now. I think that they could still make a push. I I feel more confident in this team this year than I did last year's team. It's, I feel like this team has greater potential. It's definitely interesting when you compare Milwaukee Bucks teams through the last three seasons. This team has the talent. To play bad together, right, and still win. So when they figure it out and they play well together, they'll have the talent plus the teamwork, and it's going to be lights out. It's just a matter of when they figure that out. Because I think they have the talent. I really do. Even in even in the bench, I think they have talent. And that's been a a, a thing. There's um, talk about, and the bench didn't really show up, but there's talk about Bobby Portis um, being a potential sixth player, player, sixth man of the year. Uh, that I've been seeing, is looking up articles in preparation for this this debate that we're having. Bryn Forbes is doing good off the bench, too. I mean, you can't... And you always got to take into consideration Pat Connaughton. Mm-hmm. Bucks have had a good bench for the last couple of years and even into this year. The thing for me is the Eastern Conference is just so tough. 
I don't see the Bucks making any real sort of push here. They can compete. They'll have good games. But it's just that Bucks effect that is, they'll never finish a series when they need to in the Eastern Conference. Is they the, haven't done it in past seasons. I don't think they're going to do it into this season, especially because the Eastern Conference is just that much better. Is this Bucks roster more talented than the last one, last seasons? Hmm. Talent-wise, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think there's better depth. Right. I just don't see the type of fluidity that I saw last season. And I think part of that is also Mike Budenholzer. There's been questions uh, in in the Bucks fan base for a couple of years now, and even by me too, of some of the substitutions mm-hmm. he'll make. I mean, the thing that really bugs me is when the Bucks are up 20 with three minutes left, Giannis is still out there. Can we get him out of the game, bud? Right. So th- there's certain things like that, but I'm, I'm talking more in the middle of a game. Kind of questionable mm-hmm. moves, questionable decisions on the part of uh, on the part of Budenholzer. Mo- looking at this season, moving into the postseason, that plays an effect, and I think you know Mike is Mike Budenholzer is really starting to grow with this this Bucks team in this mm-hmm. in this season with the with the team that he has and the players that he has, and I think the players are really starting to develop too. I think they're going to start. Finding their way as they get into the playoffs, but I think they're just going to start hitting some brick walls around the Eastern Conference. I really do, and I don't like to say that. I don't, you know, I'd like to see the Bucks make a deep run because I think that'd be a good team. I think that'd be a good Eastern Conference Finals, however it plays out, however the seeding falls out with the Nets or the or the Seventy Sixers. Even the Celtics are always good series with the Bucks, so I'd certainly like to see some of those series persist into the playoffs on the Eastern Conference side of things. But I just don't see. That that closure of the gap for the Milwaukee Bucks oh, man. I, to I, move into the finals this year. I, I just disagree. don't see it. I don't know if I would say finals. I would. I, I think they have the talent to get there again, but you really don't see them finding that fluidity mid like late mm. season here. I, I feel well, like that's, that's hard thing. to believe. I just said, yeah, I think they do, but they're going to run into a brick wall. You think you like think... they did like they did in the playoffs last year when they came back into the bubble? Miami right. Heat. There was no team in the Eastern Conference that was going to beat the Heat. They were on fire. Jimmy Butler was finding his stride. Tyler Hero was playing out of his so mind. So why can't the Bucks do that? Like, a, what, like what's stopping them from catching that fire, too? I, I think this team has the talent to do that. It's just a matter of them actually playing totally together like the past season's Bucks have. Yeah. You like also have to consider the teams they're playing, though. I, you'd be joking yourself if you think the Bucks aren't as talented as the Sixers. I'm not saying that there's a gap in talent. I'm saying there's a gap in play. That's what Joel I'm saying. Embiid so why can't the, the MVP? Pick... So why can't Giannis just absolutely shut down the MVP? What's stopping him from doing that? I'm I mean, saying I think the Bucks have the ability to do that, and they will. Okay, I, I can see that point. I, I almost have confidence in that them they'll catching fire in the playoffs. I mean, I could be wrong. Shouting at me in Tony G Studios. Knock on wood. Well, because I, I feel like you're discounting the Bucks, man. I kind of am, but I'm kind of not. Like, see, that's what that's what I said when I when I introduced this dynamic of the argument i said yes and no it's a very vanilla answer but i i I, I just i've seen i've seen bucks playoff games before i've seen their playoff seasons before i've seen their postseasons i kind of know how this goes you're not getting your hopes up that that could be a way of looking at it but i mean again from (laughs) an unbiased standpoint right i i don't see anything here that can differentiate that gap is there potential to sure do i think it'll happen with the teams they play in the east i don't know about that so I, I we do have a couple minutes before we have to move on in this conversation, but I do want to I would do want to add this dynamic though. If the Bucks don't end up making another 
very deep run in the playoffs and deep to a point that they never have before. If they don't at least get to the finals, certainly the goal is to win here. But if they don't even get to the finals, what are, what's the repercussions going to be? Nothing. To the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people blowing up at the idea that, you know, Giannis could leave or this is going to happen. Middleton's going to leave. Well, Giannis is locked up for a reason. He agreed to it. Middleton signed that contract extension for a reason. He agreed to it. And I don't know the case, you know, Tony G does do his homework, but didn't do his homework in this part of looking forward what their contract situation is going to look like for certain players moving forward but into next season. But the thing is, there isn't going to be too big. They're going to continue to try to build, continue to try to grow. We agree on something. I mean, I was well, to, I was... I, that's just like, a, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, that's a can't-lose get... answer. I mean, Giannis is locked up for the next couple seasons. I don't get, like, the, I think Bucks Twitter. Everyone's acting like it's, like, the end of the world if the Bucks don't make a push this year. Yeah. Which I don't see happening at well, all. Well, I, I mean, certainly the morale would fall short because, yeah. again, this is, like, their third straight season with the potential to get deep in the playoffs. But if they don't do it, then it's just kind of that point of, are we ever going to get... Over the hump, are we ever going to close this gap? And I think, you know, there's definitely potential. You got to continue to try to build, continue to try to morph, continue to try to add depth to the bench. And, you know, that's the thing that really adds success in the playoffs as teams mm-hmm. get deep in series, deep into games. The bench does really help. And the Bucks, I think, do have a great bench yeah. so far this season. But it's just a matter of closing that gap, finding the talent, and coaching. I agree. And I don't I- think they put it together this season. I just want to say that. The one aspect I also want to touch on is the play of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. Because he hasn't really found the shot yet. I mean, he's always good with the points. He's always good with the rebounds. Always good with the assists. I mean, he always has the numbers to kind of back up his play. But I remember, I think it was the first game of the season, playing the Celtics, goes to the free throw line. Misses his shots, and all of a sudden they lose that game. I think there's certain occurrences like that where the shooting falls through for Giannis that really has to step up. Yeah, I mean, he did drop 33 last night, but he I did do drop what you're I, I tell you, the numbers are there, Yeah, but the shooting percentage also has to find its way up. Right. I mean, the three-point field goal percentage this year is under 30%. I mean, what I mean, you know, is he supposed to be shooting like 50 well, I get it, but you'd like to see that number a little higher. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Giannis could really turn into a dominant dominant force. I mean, and he is. I'm not yeah. saying that he isn't, but... Just saying he's not better than If Joel he added Embiid. that element, it would be... What's in, what's Embiid's three-point percentage? unstoppable. Joel Embiid, Giannis. Interesting that you ask. Is shooting 38%. That's actually pretty good. That is actually pretty good. That's okay. He's not that great. See, but there, there's, I still that, take you there, there's that element. And I still take you, you, know, you, you know, well, I got something to say to you I here. St- you're still you're turning this argument into me like I'm anti-Giannis. I got the guy's towel sitting in my room here in my in the Tony G Studios. I'm not anti-Giannis. I'm not anti-Bucks. I just have seen this story before. I have read this book before. I've watched this movie before. I know how this season's going to end. I know it. I know how this is going to go. You get we'll me see. all you get me all riled up well, in this. St- I mean, and you're sitting here. See, t- no, 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 no. Wait a minute now, it. Will. You're not putting you're money sitting on it. at me, yelling at me that I'm like, oh, I'm going to take Joel over Giannis. Will, I never said that. Well, you're saying I said Yo- Joel is having a better season this season. I disagree. The guy is the MVP of the NBA. I disagree. That's just 
That's just, I mean, come on. He's the MVP this year. And you're painting me out like I'm the let's, villain. Let's put money on that, too. I'm shouting, <laughs> I, I'm shouting through the microphone here. I mean, I'm peeking all over the place on my audio files because you're getting me all riled up. Oh, you got to do work I now. never said Giannis is superior is inferior to Joel. I never said I'd take Joel but you never, over Giannis. But you never, I never said that that Giannis is is never going to live up to Joel. But you never said he's superior either. Exactly. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying this isn't that discussion. Now you're getting me even more riled up. Okay? Because Joel is, is going to win the MVP this season. That's what I am saying. He's not winning MVP. I'm not saying that I would take him over Giannis. I'm not saying that I would rather build around Joel. I'm not saying that you're going to have a contract for the next four episodes this season. <laughs> Golly. Getting me all riled up. I never said that. You're painting me out like I'm the villain here. You kind of are. No, I'm not. I'm, I've seen it before. I've read this book before, I Will. I have too, Tony. I've seen the future, and this is what it's going to come down to. Bucks aren't going to win the finals this year. Joel is going to be the MVP. Bucks are going to continue to build moving forward. <laughs> if you I'm think up. so. If you think I'm so. up. It's my show. That's enough. It's my show. Got me all riled up. Shouting through the microphone. I got to take a breath here. I think my mic was picking that up. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be fun to edit later at the editing stages of this episode of the Tony G Show. All right. Let's leave that discussion there, please, before I melt in and Tony I, G Studios. And I get more right. And I get more right. Do you hear what the guy more says? More right. I get more right. More correct, Tony. Jeez. Yeah, go be more correct on someone else's podcast. I'm just kidding. Hey, don't go. All right. All right. Segment number two of the Tony G Show. Let's make the case for one Major League Baseball player who has announced his retirement at the start of the season. I mean, bizarre timing. And I don't think there ever really was a reason as to why he did this. I don't I never I, I never saw a true clear-cut reason as to why he decided to call it. And I'm gonna make the case for him being a Hall of Famer. Over the weekend, Jay Bruce announced his retirement from Major League Baseball. He spent 14 seasons playing for the Reds, the Mets the Yankees, among others. And I'm going to make the case for him being a Hall of Famer. It is a very bizarre time for him to try to retire, to announce his retirement. I don't know why he decided to do it 15 games into a season, but he did. And, you know, all respect to him for, for doing so. Maybe it's because the Yankees are started the way they are. I think they're like 5-10, and 5-11. Either way, regardless of what made this decision, he made it. After 14 seasons, he's calling it. He says, and I quote, I've decided to make the very difficult decision to retire from baseball. All I ever wanted to be when I grew up was a baseball player. And to say that I got to live out my dream would be the understatement of a lifetime. The sport gave me more than I could have asked for. Close quote. So here's my argument for Jay Bruce being a Hall of Famer after 14 seasons. This is a guy who I have put a lot of value on in his career. 319 career home runs, 951 runs batted in, two-time Silver Slugger Award winner, been to an All-Star game three times. A career batting average of 244. And since Tony G does his homework, I found a couple of these numbers, these nuggets. 319 home runs since 2008 in the career of Jay Bruce. 319 since 2008 is the fifth most in Major League Baseball. He's behind Nelson Cruz, who has 406, who used steroids. He's behind Edwin Encarnacion with 384. He's behind Albert Pujols with 381 and behind Miguel Cabrera with 350. So he's behind three Hall of Famers and someone who used steroids. <laughs> Does, do those numbers add up to make Jay Bruce a Hall of Famer? Yeah. 
I'm not done yet, Will. Not to mention that he was a great defender. One of the best arms, especially in the prime of his career. The guy, I mean, the guy could throw you out at home from the warning track. One of the strongest arms, especially when he was a Cincinnati Red. I found this other nugget because Tony G does do his homework, Will. He has the most double plays turned by an active outfielder, you know, considering he was still active up to this point. Most double plays turned by an active outfielder. He's tied third most with 20. He's behind Gerard Dyson, who also has 20, and Jason Hayward, or excuse me, Gerard Dyson and Jason Hayward with 21, and then Jackie Bradley Jr. with 20. Jason Hayward, JBJ, are gold glovers. Jay Bruce has never won a gold glove. That is the crime of a century if I've ever seen it. One of the best arms, some of the best numbers, one of the highest defensive wins above replacement. Jay Bruce not only should be a Hall of Famer, he should be a gold glover. And the fact that he's been snubbed out for his entire career, massive crime. Not to mention, Will, that Jay Bruce played a massive role in bringing winning baseball to Cincinnati. Cincinnati went to the postseason in 2010, 2012, and 2013, which was the first time since 1995. And in those 2012 and 13 seasons, Jay Bruce finished 10th in MVP voting. In those seasons, 2010, 2012, and 2013, I did this math on my own, Will. I got the, <laughs> I got the calculator out. I seriously did this. In 2010, 2012, and 2013, Jay Bruce averaged 30 home runs, 93 runs batted in, and batted 265 in those three seasons and averaged four wins above replacement. Not to mention that there was guys like Joey Votto, uh, some really talented pitchers on that roster as well. I mean, that was the Eroldis Chapman prime of his career coming into Major League Baseball. There was talent around him, but Jay Bruce played one of the biggest factors. Jay Bruce was a 3-4 hitter that season and was a major, major factor, played a huge role in getting that team back to the playoffs for the first time in over 15 years and then persisting a couple years later in 2012 and 2013. He must have had it in the back of his head coming into this year. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to play the entire season if I'm not hitting well or if we're not doing well. I got a family at home. I'm getting older. I'm going to call it. And maybe he was going to coming into the season. It was kind of like, I'll, you know what, I don't want to quite yet. And decided to try it out and see how it, you know, how it fit. It'd be very, I'm very interested to see what actually did play a role. Right. In uh, this decision for Jay Bruce, yeah. Regardless, though, the role he played for the Cincinnati Reds, he should definitely be a Red Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. He will be. And regardless of that, the guy persisted throughout his career, continued to hit home runs for the Mets, for the Yankees. And, you know, as, as I wrap up this argument and just kind of fully move towards a close on my case for Jay Bruce being a Hall of Famer, I want to make that comparison again. I'm going to name this... He's behind most home runs since 2008, behind Nelson Cruz, who used steroids, was um, caught doing it, was suspended for doing it. Edwin Encarnacion with 384, Albert Pujols with 381, Miguel Cabrera with 350. He's behind two sure-in Hall of Famers, and mm-hmm. even make the case for Edwin Encarnacion, he's behind three Hall of Famers. Yeah. Jay Bruce is a Hall of Famer. That's good after company. After 14 seasons. It's great company for an outfielder who has been tied for the third most defensive double plays turned as an outfielder. And he's behind two gold glovers. He never won a gold glove. Not to mention Crime. 14 seasons too is a telltale sign of his play through yeah. his, you know, you, you don't last 14 seasons without being good. Exactly. You, you, 
and it's not like he couldn't find a team in those 14 seasons. Right. Teams were definitely coming calling and coming to pay Jay Bruce. Right. I mean, the guy has got to be a Hall of Famer. First ballot? You, yeah. Huh? I, I, mean, I can see the argue for see, it. See, that's the tough thing because the way voting goes now, I mean, there's so many candidates on the on the voting mm-hmm. polls who are in discussion to get in, who are ending to, rounding towards their final seasons on the ballot, and voter MLB voters, Hall of Fame voters, the writers are just kind of weird. There's just some that you like, you know, some that are, and they all put them out on Twitter. But there's some that are just weird. They'll vote one guy, but not the same guy. Like, there's two guys that are different, but they're practically the same player, and they won't put both of them in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's definitely a role, a bias role, when MLB writers vote. Oh, yeah. Vote in for their uh, uh, Hall of Fame ballot. I think that definitely plays a role. Regardless, though, Jay, there's no debate that Jay Bruce has has earned his value, has earned his name, and has really enriched himself into baseball royalty. All right, Will? Yeah. I don't know what else. You, you don't got I nothing don't, to get me all riled up I, I for just, in this argument? I just don't disagree with you for once. Would so. you take Joel Embiid over Jay Bruce? No. Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. I'd take Jay Bruce over Joel Embiid. Don't get, don't get me going, Will. I will start screaming. How about you buy me a Giannis jersey after Joel Embiid loses the MVP? Don't get me going, Will. <laughs> Do not get me going again. All right, well. Jay Bruce is a Hall of Famer. Made my case. Said my piece. Joel Embiid is the MVP. Let's move on to the third segment of the Tony G Show. I'm excited for this one. Let's revisit this discussion. We had it on last Thursday's episode of the Tony G Show, the trickle-down effect. The Aaron Donald assault charges. The When we discussed it, there was potential that Aaron Donald was getting accused and could be mm-hmm. charged with assault. He was being painted as the... As the one who is the, the perpetrator. Yep, perpetrator, yeah. yeah. Got my law lingo down. There perpetrator you Perpetrator and the victim. <laughs> Anyways, the latest developments over the weekend, there has been video footage released of this brawl that took place in Pittsburgh. Aaron Donald, being from Pittsburgh, went to Pitt and has spent his entire life around Pittsburgh. That's why Aaron Donald was in Pittsburgh at this time of the year in you know March, April, this springtime. Here's what the video footage showed, though. Aaron Donald was attempting to get in between to stop this fight that was that was brewing. And in many ways had boiled over. There was fist being thrown. And Aaron Donald tried to get in and break it up until he was pulled out of the way. Aaron Donald himself was pulled out of the way by someone else. The accuser, the accuser of Aaron Donald, the Vincent Springs, remember, who we brought up on Thursday, mm-hmm. issued an apology on Friday and this is attorney Todd J. Ellis telling Pittsburgh TV station KDKA that Spriggs misidentified Aaron Donald in the brawl. I wanted to make this statement public and to extend an apology to Aaron for what he's gone through, but I clearly know this was not him, close quote. I feel like that's pretty big of him to say that. Yes, that's definitely huge to come out and, and say that he got it wrong and, and misidentify him. Yeah, which I think is a plausible... Like I could actually see that happening, you know. You got there's paint a th- lot of people in this footage. Yeah, and you got to paint the picture. It's nighttime. There's alcohol involved. Yeah, a big fight. I mean, Alcohol's there's. I mean, bad. those dudes were big too. They weren't like, you know, <laughs> I mean, if, Aaron, if Aaron Donald's in there, right? Oh, they boy. were. They were big dudes. Yeah, so, I was surprised to see Aaron Donald get pulled out of the way. I mean, yeah, that, I figured that would take a Mac truck to. So I could see that. You know, I could see that out. actually. That is a plausible reason. Heat of the moment. You got in this huge fight. 
you know, I'm assuming police were involved. It can happen. Right. But it's big that he apologized. And I'm happy, too, by the way, that this is the way it worked out for Aaron Donald. Of but. course. Of course, who wouldn't be? Right. And in response to this apology, the attorney for Aaron Donald, Casey White, said that there is, quote, no dispute that Mr. Spriggs is injured, but the other people who were there last night were responsible for protecting Mr. Donald and in turn caused the injuries to Mr. Spriggs. White said that he does get punched, he does get slammed, he does get kicked in the head, it's violent, but the whole time Aaron is being restrained, close quote, which is true. If you see the videotape, Aaron Donald is being pushed out of the way. And like I said, like I said, there were some pretty big people here. I would have thought that it would have taken like a freight train to, <laughs> to, to move him out of the way, to prevent him from going anywhere that he wanted to. I mean, the guy the guy does that for a living, go where people don't want him to right. in terms of, you know, oh, in true. the backfield. Right, he's literally paid money to <laughs> to resist. Pe- to, to, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, you think he'd be good at it. Tie up your pickup truck and... <laughs> I mean, tie him around the waist and try to pull him out of the way. Good luck. Could use a swim move and anywhere. get around him or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, regardless. Okay, there's not much to discuss or argue here, but we are just going to revisit this a little bit to clear the air of Tony G Show's recent episode, kind of get everything mm-hmm. set in stone, put the final nail in the coffin. I think that there is definitely something to be said about making false accusations, even if it was an accident. Why did he make this accusation to someone of the stature of Aaron Donald when he himself didn't have the information? When he himself didn't see the video footage, or maybe did, and maybe tried to go after Donald because he knew that's where the money was going to be if he were to decide to press charges. I'm not accusing him of that, but I'm right. saying that that could have played a role if that's the type of person that Vincent Spriggs is. Right. We if have, we that's no the type clue. of person that Spriggs is. We have no clue. It's like, it's like when we're talking about Aaron Donald, and you know when this first came out, we were like, we feel like this is hard to believe, but we really don't know the kind of person he is. Right. And part of the thing we talked about on Thursday was the fact that this is Aaron Donald, who is a major example for kids, yes. who is a guy that is on his way to being a Hall of Famer, one of mm-hmm. the best defensive linemen ever, mm-hmm. multiple, multiple time Defensive Player of the Year award winner. I mean, this is a guy who's got his life made out for him. Right. And for someone to throw around an accusation like that, I think there's definitely something to be said here. I'm not saying that we we got to go tar and feather this guy for making this false accusation because it could have been just an accident. But I still think there's something to be said when you go out and you say that this professional player of this famous stature did this to me, released these pictures that were very brutal, very mm-hmm. gruesome, and claimed that someone of a famous popular stature did it. Yeah. Before you yourself ever, ever even knew. I think there's something to be said about that. I mean, I mean, we see it all the time in the news, and this is something that really gets on me as well. And the example, I hate to bring this up, but the example that I always bring up is the Kobe Bryant death mm-hmm. when that was first announced. Who was the first on the scene to announce that there was this many people dead or this many people involved or this was the cause? Major outlets. Outlets, okay? Mm-hmm. Plural, not singular, plural. There was this outlet saying this many people were involved, this outlet saying that many people, and they were all wrong. Yeah. All of them. All of them. There were causes being thrown around, fog, this or that, gasoline, whatever. None of them knew, but they're all throwing around these accusations before anybody ever even knows. And that's that's modern. I mean, we even fell victim to that with, oh, yeah. with Aaron Donald. I mean, we were kind of saying like, oh, you know... Is this is this going to tarnish his? You know, like we were we were well, basically. I mean, we were clear the whole time though. Yeah. If he's convicted. Yeah. If he was convicted. Right. And I'm, I, I, but I'm saying that a, a lot of news loves to just throw out. Oh yeah. 
these reasons and it's yeah. like this is what it is and like you know it's all it's all money related it's and we're not paid <laughs> yeah well, the tony g show is an unpaid show uh, will mccormick is under contract though regardless we don't get any profit for talking about this pro- this right news headline or this headline or whatever so i hope we do, do it all at our own leisure yeah i hope but but it, you know before uh we we wrap up this point and, and before you go will mm-hmm. just to kind of say this that you know, we discussed it because we thought Aaron Donald was a suspect. Yeah. We thought that there was real potential that Aaron Donald's career and life was going to be altered because of this well, decision, and we don't know what played I mean, into it. But it turned out to be wrong the whole time. And and at the time, he he was, you know, like he, he was yeah. not cleared until that video came out. Mm-hmm. So. I to, mean, jumping the gun on before yeah. you know the information. Well, well, that's how the legal system works. You yeah, know, that's true. If there were, if that video wasn't there, how else would they prove it? It's you not know, 100%. word of mouth. Word of mouth, and that's not even. Yeah, true. that's huge. That's a good point. What if that video was never even? Can you imagine trying to trying to arrest Aaron Donald if oh. he was restraining arrest? Yeah, this is completely hypothetical. I wouldn't be way. able to do it. But can you imagine being like some pipsqueak cop that's... going up? Hey, sir. Maybe he's behind your back. He'd hire me as his bodyguard, and there'd be no way I'd be <laughs> stopping him. Hire you as his bodyguard? Yeah. As the bodyguard of Aaron Donald. Yeah, there'd be no way I'd be able to stop him. It'd be a terrible bodyguard. Hold on now. Back up. You the bodyguard for Aaron Donald. Yeah, I was joking. I was saying it's funny because I'm (laughs) 5'6", and like not nearly... I I probably weigh as much as his two biceps. Hey, Will, this is Aaron. Can you come uh, to this bar I'm going to? Yeah, I'll be there. (laughs) Would that be a fun job? Being a bodyguard for an NFL player? Would you like to do that? You would do it? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Depends if would... who. I mean, the guy's gotta yeah. be cool, right? I feel like that would get like. But beggars can't be choosers. I know. Just this is a complete hypothetical. Would you do it? Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. Would you? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting a bodyguard for myself because you know we're getting we're growing in popularity. Yeah, it's kind of hard to go out in public now. I mean, when I go to class, it's just like the hallways are flooded. Sign this and sign that. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, walking through campus is like walking through a parade. I Good know. luck. All right, okay. whatever. Let's wake up from that dream and <laughs> cap off this episode of the Tony G Show. Season 6, episode 21 in the books. Episode number 22 coming on Thursday. Actually, that's going to be April 22nd. 22nd episode on the 22nd it's day. the 22nd episode on the 22nd of April. Yeah, isn't that cool? Golden episode. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like your golden Of birthday. season 6, yeah. yeah. How about us? Golden episode. Cruising along to 25 episodes. We're moving. We're moving. Good for us. That'll do it for this Tony G Show. We'll see you Thursday. For Will McCormick, I'm Tony G. This is the Tony G Show. Tony G Show.